This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. What a filthy job. Could be worse. How? Could be raining. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey there, future and current millionaires. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And today, I learned something really interesting. Not only are humans different than bears because, you know, we have opposable thumbs, but a millionaire just told me that I can be one too if I just stop eating avocado toast. As if that's not enough tips for one day, helping us understand the same rules doctors need to know to build wealth, we welcome the good doctor, Amir Baluch. I wonder how many slices of avocado toast doctors eat. Hope Joe asks him that. Also, in our headline segment, some disturbing news about vacation days not being used. Wait a minute, wait a minute. People get vacation days? Do I get them? We'll also share some avocado-themed trivia, throw out the Haven Lifeline to Erin, who's wondering what she should do with her money now that she's not saving for a car, and more. Here they are, two guys trying to single-handedly eat Texarkana out of guacamole, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Mmm, guacamole. Which I've been kindly reminded by Mrs. OG, is only guacamole if you include cilantro. Really? That's what she said, yes. Which, I was so proud of myself. I made some guacamole and she said, this is just mashed up avocados with salt and pepper in it. Where's the cilantro? Like, ooh, excuse me. Well, guess what? We got a podcast for you without cilantro today. Welcome to the Stacky Benjamin Show. You found us. I am Joe Saul C. High Average Show Money on Twitter and across the card table this fine, fine day. 
the one and only other guy, or as we call him, OG. The end of May is upon us. How about time flies, right? Five months into the year already. I Done. can't. I can't believe it. And we welcome to summer. The unofficial start of summer starts tomorrow. No, that was last week. What are you talking about? June first. Oh, oh! I thought you were talking about Memorial Day. I'm like, you've got your you've got your dates mixed up, man. No, I don't have anything mixed up. You're mixed up, man. You know what's cool? It doesn't matter how mixed up you are, as long as you can point your computer to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi. That's spelled S-O-F-I. Because you know what happens when you go there, OG? You end up with a phenomenal experience with refinancing your student loans, your personal loans, and even comparing mortgage prices. Because you know how interest rates have been moving up? Now's the time to make that happen over at SoFi. And they do it so fast too, right? You put your information in, no credit check, doesn't impact your credit score. Boom, here's your answer. Yes, no, maybe so. Super simple. Is that called a soft pull? It's a, it's a soft pull, yes. <laughs> no no phrase. Soft pull sounds like a whole... Well, anyway, stackyvengements.com <laughs> forward slash S-O-F-I. Uh, SoFi. It's better than a hard pull. A hundred bucks. No, a lot of ways better. Is, is, is that better? Better on your credit. But the, the hard, oh man. Stackofbenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And the place that rates SoFi number one uh, wherever they compete is Magnify Money. When you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money, what you'll find there is those things you've been using from your bank, like that checking account, that savings account, not nearly as good as some of the options from across the financial universe. And magnify money has a bigger selection than any other website out there. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Whether you're redoing your credit whether you're taking advantage of better interest rates by shopping online for your savings account, or if you're even looking at something like an auto loan, which we generally don't approve of, pay cash for those cars, people. But if you've got to have a ride and you need a loan, why not make that rate as low as possible? StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Man, we got a great show for you today. You know, doctors are a funny group of people. They're expected to know a lot about medicine and like uh, Dr. Thomas Stanley said in his phenomenal book, The Millionaire Next Door, doctors also end up having to live this lifestyle or feel like they have to live this lifestyle of, mm -hmm. well, I make a lot of money, right? And yeah, so to try to keep up with the Joneses. Yes. So Dr. Amir Baluch wrote this uh, book, Make It, Keep It, right? You're going to make money. It's not just what you make, it's what you keep. And mm -hmm. it's funny when he was first... Uh, a guy that I was considering having on the show, I thought, you know, we do, doctors are a small niche. Then I read through this book and I'm like, everybody needs to know this stuff. So this is another book that, how did you get this book? Uh, I had it sent to me. Oh, it was sent to you. Okay. It was. No, no way to send two of them, right? I wouldn't be interested in reading. Well, you can have mine. Are you a doctor? Do you need that? Well, I'm a doctor of love, baby. Books. Oh boy. On that note, we got to get the show rolling for before I start smelling the cologne. Here we go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. I just threw up in my mouth a little, I think. I'm not sure if that's the stench down here or if that's uh, throw up in my mouth. So one, one or the other. You don't think I'm the love doctor? No, oh, doctor of love. Hey, our first headline comes to us from dailymail.com. 
this one, you're going to want to see this video on the show notes at stackyourbenjamins.com, but we, we need to talk about this. Dramatic moment, a mechanic who took his client's 170,000-pound Porsche. Obviously, this happened in... in uh, 170,000 pound, like, dollars. Yes. Yeah. Worth. Okay. I was like, that is a very heavy that's, Porsche. That's very heavy. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. a tank. 170,000-pound Porsche for a joyride is caught on camera, losing control and crashing. Dramatic closed-circuit television footage shows the moment a blundering mechanic crashed a $170,000 sports car after taking it out for a test drive. What a moron. The grease monkey had been trusted to repair the luxury Porsche, but decided to take it out for a spin. How does, here's, here's the people are like, what does this have to do with finance? If you've got your car, whether it's a luxury ride or it's another ride, your mechanic takes that baby out for a spin. How does your insurance work on that deal? Does that then fall to the mechanic's insurance? You well, still, I think it's got to, right? You, you still file a claim with your insurance, right? Yeah, depending you on file, what state you're in, of course. You file a claim with your insurance, and then your insurance goes to the mechanic's insurance. Mm-hmm. And is professional it, liability insurance, maybe? Something like that? Professional stupidity insurance. Obviously, his premium's going up <laughs> what? due to that. I saw a video of a car. They had like a Ferrari convention out in like Long Island or something. So they had all these old 1960s Ferraris parked on the side of the street. Beautiful. And you know, it's wonderful. And and there's a guy videotaping, you know, he's just got his iPhone out and he's kind of panning the whole street scene, right? And all these car owners, all these old, just meticulously maintained cars are sitting out there. And then there's this person who pulls up to try to parallel park in between the two cars. You know, they're, they're leaving tons of space, right? Because they all get these collector's cars, leave tons of space. This guy comes into parallel park. And as he's backing up, oh. he, goose, he gooses it as opposed to like hits the brake. Oh. And so he drives his like Yukon Denali oh. in reverse over top of this dude's Porsche no. <laughs> as, he, as the guy is standing there looking at him like, why are you trying to squeeze your SUV in between these two collectors that did? He like literally drove up the front end of the car. Into yeah, the, you said his Porsche, you meant his Ferrari. Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Oh, Ferrari. Yeah, this story's the Porsche. Oh, my <laughs> Oh, that just doesn't make your stomach just, oh. Oh, well, and I mean, this one, of course, can be replaced probably. This $170,000 one's probably a newer one. This guy's that he ruined is like a 1965 or something. Well, here's the thing. It was supposed to be just in for a diagnostic test. It was in for a Ah. diagnostic test, just a little test. And instead, it had to be declared a write-off. The whole thing had to be declared right off when you see these. Hey, hey sir. Uh, yeah. Is my car done? In a manner of speaking, it's done. Uh, <laughs> could you come in and uh, we got some paperwork for you? Cool. I'll be in in a second. Right. My brother had an English teacher who always corrected people about the difference between done and finished. He's like, no, no, bread and biscuits get done. You are finished. Like I'm done with my work. You're not done with your work. You're finished with your work. Bread and biscuits. So so when he calls this, is, 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 is my car done? Yes. Yes, your yes, your car is. Your is my done. car finished? It's more done than finished. It is way done. Uh, I was yeah, wondering yeah. about the insurance there. That that just kills me. Our second headline comes to us from Travel and Leisure. We're all over the place today, and I love it. This is a sad, sad point. You sent this to me. Millennial women are the least likely to use all of their vacation days. A study says. More than 662 million, with an M, vacation days went unused in 2016. It says America still has a vacation problem or a not taking vacation problem, to be more precise. Boy, this is an issue. I just, especially- I don't get this stuff, do you? Well, yes, I do. 
if you are low on the totem pole and you think that your job depends on you being there, it's almost like being injured to put it into OG, OG terms. It's like a pro football player gets injured. You might not get back on the field again, right? You get injured, you go out of the game, somebody takes your place, you know, you take a couple of weeks off. Hmm. See, I disagree with that completely. I think that you're at your best when you're refreshed, right? I do if too, you're but, does the, out, but does the boss think that? It isn't about... Well, it isn't. Your performance would be good, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't you, if you had a great vacation, wouldn't you come back refreshed and have, ex, you know, and just really work your tail off? Not to mention, you're going on vacation here in a second, right? Yeah. How much work are you getting done today? Yeah, a ton. <laughs> you know, before, you're getting right. two weeks worth of work in 12 hours. You know, you got to pack the old uh, Swiss family gradens up and... Uh, get out of town for a couple of days. So I, uh, I disagree with this completely. I think you, if you've earned it now, some companies allow you to bank your vacation and then you can turn that into cash, you know? Okay. Yeah. It, it's if that's it's, your thing. It says forfeited vacation days, time that cannot be rolled over, banked or paid out or down 8% actually to 206 million, 206 million all? days. Those forfeited days have a cost because the value of vacation days are tied to salary. That equals $66.4 billion in lost benefits, meaning you worked instead of taking the benefit. That's Yeah, uh, your salary technically would be the same, right? If you're allotted three weeks of vacation yeah. and you make $50,000 a year, if you work all 52 weeks, then you're making less than 1000 a week. If you work 48 weeks, then you make more than 1000 a week, right? Because you took your time off. It's that both millennials and their colleagues from other generations disagreed with the assessment that millennials are really work martyrs. Katie Dennis, Project Time Off Senior Director, who's the author of this annual report, said, quote, the pushback we got on that were people who were typically older demographics and who work with millennials and who said, quote, that's not my experience. Many factors are at play, she said, including seniority, position, budget. See, that's what I think. I think I don't think it's that they're a martyr. I think it's I don't have enough seniority yet. Somebody else is getting the prime days. If I want to take days off, I got to take the days that aren't the prime day. The whole budget thing, people know that maybe the budget's tight at the company. And if I take time off, I'm going to look like I'm not all hands on deck. I don't think it's that they're work martyrs as much as they want to be seen as a team player. Or team they, player. Or, yeah. or they're stuck with the crappy days because the senior people are taking the good ones. Yeah, but crappy days are still days, right? Crappy days are days. And you know what's funny? You... And I both know about this concept of a free day. Our friend Jeff Rose talks about this also a lot over at Good Financial Sense mm -hmm. about the concept of a free day and how a free day that's not spent with family, not spent with, it is you day. Well, it can be spent with family. Well, 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 a free day can be spent with, if a free day by definition, as he and I talk about it, is any non-work day, 24 hour period. Yeah. So no work involved. Now you may... You may have a free day that is a day at the dentist, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty crappy free day. Or you may have a free day, you know, racing camels across the uh, desert. That might be a kind of a fun free day. But ultimately, it's about getting away from from the day to day work. Yeah. And you find, by the way, because at the end of my career as a financial planner, I started using free days. You get more done. Believe it or not, you get more done. Sometimes that yeah. only take a free afternoon. But I, man, we got more done because when we were at work, we were. Yeah, at you work. work. You work when there's work and you don't work when there's not. Yeah. And if you've got a predefined schedule, uh, Michael Kitzes in his podcast, one of his podcasts, he has two of them, but in one of his podcasts, uh, he's interviewing himself basically. And he's talking about how every day he has a will do for that day. Today, I will write an article. 
Tuesday, I do this Wednesday, I do this. And he's got the whole year planned out. And if you've got one activity to do, or if you've got, if you know that your activity has to be done today, you're going to get it done. It's not going to creep into the next three or four days because you know, Hey, on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are free days for me this week. So I've got to be done with work by Wednesday. Powerful stuff that really affects your finances a ton. And I hate, I I I really think it does. Yeah. I hate seeing all of these uh, free days go to waste. Uh, Speaking of, I think I'm going to take some vacation, boss. So I, uh, I'm going to need some time off. Well, it's about time. We can get some quality co-hosting on this show. (laughs) Dang it. I'm not a team player. See, see then what's going to happen is you're going to leave the podcast. You're going to go to come back and we're going to say, you know what, OG, we don't need you anymore. We're good. Yeah, because we got, uh, you know, Josh Dorkin from Bigger Pockets to take over for you the whole time. We just upgraded. It's great. I think the lesson. All right, I'll never go on vacation. <laughs> see, there you go. There's more forfeited days. Uh, lesson is, man, those important days off are super important to your productivity and obviously then to your wallet. Take them. And then number two, you take your Porsche to the mechanic. Make sure make sure you're with a good insurance company. Stay in the lobby and watch your car get worked on. <laughs> That's that might be the best insurance of all. Dr. Amir Baluch founded a company called Funding Nest with the specific purpose of providing turnkey investment opportunities to sophisticated investors. We're not going to talk about that today. What we are going to talk about is his work as a doctor and how doctors he worked with had no money and how to help them keep it. And this uh, book is a primer, Make It, Keep It. We're not going to talk about the entire book. We're going to talk about some of the biggest concepts that doctors need to get, that we all need to get. So I've asked him to put together five, but he's going to do that for us. Here we go. Dr. Amir Baluch coming down to the basement. And Dr. Amir Baluch joins us in the basement. Have a seat, man. How are you? Hey, pretty good, Joe. How's it going? Thanks for having me today. I'll tell you, it's it's better now that you're here. And I got to ask, you are a physician. What type of physician are you? I'm an anesthesiologist. You know, what's funny is that I have some friends that are physicians. And I, when I was a financial planner, I had clients that were physicians. I think that job, anesthesiology, is the hardest one of all. And if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you why. I think for most doctors, there's this like high five moment, right? Like you save the patient, like something goes fantastic. For you, you either do the right thing or, or so, like, like there's no way, there's no way, Amir, that you high five the other doctors going, that, that guy's super asleep. Like, <laughs> That's right. It's one of the few fields in medicine where we are literally not allowed to make a mistake ever. Right, right. I can't think of a high five moment. <laughs> yeah, we kind of like to think of ourselves as the insurance policy for the surgeon a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. When did you realize that you were interested in finance? Well, you know, when my father was a physician, he did internal medicine. And I saw growing up that he was working really hard and you know, he was able to afford a house and a car and some other nice things. But as time went on, he was getting older and I, I was around 19 or 20. You know, I was kind of started thinking about financial goals and things like that. I talked to my dad about it. He actually didn't even have any. So I was kind of asking, well, how much is saved up and what's going on? And, you know, he hadn't saved up really anything, just kind of living paycheck to paycheck. 
no financial goals or financial planning at all. And actually in a couple of investment deals, he lost a good amount of money. And in some of them, he was actually leveraged in the deal. So it was actually negative, a lot of money. And so right now he's pretty much retired and just kind of living off of some of my income right now because it just didn't work out. It all could have been avoided with just a few simple steps, which I outline in my book. So that doesn't happen to anybody else. So it was around my early 20s when I saw that happening and I got really interested in reading up on investing and planning. But what's funny is people listening to this are like, well, if your dad was a physician, like, you know, that's just a pot of money, right? That guy should have been swimming in money. Yet I know a bunch of physicians. You know a bunch of physicians. Your dad's story is way, way more common than people think. Yeah, that's true. And what people sometimes forget is if you're making a lot of money, the banks love to loan you about five to ten times more than what you make. So when you get a loan and things don't go well, if you're either borrowing for a practice or for an investment and you don't know what you're doing, uh, you can really hurt yourself pretty fast. Yeah, right. At a faster pace than the average person. Right. Let's walk through some. You've been nice enough to prepare five examples for us of things that not just doctors don't understand these. So the average person really, really needs to understand these. What are some of those things? Well, the five things I wanted to talk about, which actually apply to everybody in the United States, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I think the average net worth of somebody in America over the age of 60 is like $26,000 is after a lifetime of working. So a lot of people get this wrong. It's not just physicians, but the five things that I really like to stress when I talk to people about investing is I like to talk about the psychology and the principle of investing. A lot of people don't understand what that is. I like to talk about how to manage debt, actually setting some goals, how to use their retirement accounts effectively, and also how you could learn by giving back to others once you've made some money. Those are the five things I usually talk about with physicians. Well, let's dig into these a little bit. Let's start off with the psychology because it's funny that we start here because that's not really the sexy part people want to talk about. They want to jump into penny stocks. Right. Everybody wants to find a get-rich-quick scheme, but really... That's not the case, and that really never happens. But the psychology is is pretty interesting. Some people are just afraid to invest. They don't know what they're getting into. They do something just because their friend down the street did something. A lot of people are just throwing money into the stocks. It's, they might as well just you know go to Vegas and spend it there if they don't actually understand investing. Or some people are just scared of it, and they just let some money pile up in an account, but they never grow it fast. So. What I like to tell people is, you know, first you have to understand what investing is. You have to place your money into something that has some mechanism to preserve your capital or you're buying something at a discount, for example. And then eventually it has to grow in value in some way for a stock. It might be the company's financials are better. They're making more money or they're expanding in real estate, which I love. I talk a lot about it in my book. In real estate, it could be appreciation of the property. Maybe the rental unit, the apartment complex is increasing rents year over year. There has to be some way to add value. And that's what an investment is. And once people understand that, then they can actually look at an investment and evaluate it and make some good decisions. But until that happens, it's really just gambling and speculation. One concept you like to talk about that I found fascinating was this idea of multiple streams of income, right? That it's not just about dividends. It's about setting up these different streams of income. Talk about that for a minute. Right. So you want to be diversified to an extent and all different forms of passive income have pros and cons. So whenever you make an investment and money hopefully comes back to you, 
Some are more tax advantageous than others. Some come in annually, some might come in monthly, some are liquid, some are less liquid. So they all have a different flavor and you don't want to get stuck in just one flavor. For example, let's say if somebody just invests in long-term real estate, but then there's an emergency, well, how soon can you liquidate, you know, a large apartment complex or retail strip or office building, you know, to cover that emergency? You can't. But if you had some of your portfolio, for example, in stocks or something like that, that's a little bit more liquid, or even just having some cash on the side for emergencies or a line of credit, you could pull from that. But likewise, you don't want to be, you know, you don't have too much in the stock market, which is very volatile. You want to have some hard assets that are income producing, tax advantageous. So you have to kind of create a different flavors and have and have multiple streams of income. So you're never you'll never get hurt in one sector and not have all your eggs in one basket. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, on one end, it sounds like people are afraid of taking risk. Right. When you opened up talking about the mindset. But on the other side, if you take five or six different types of risk, it kind of negates the problems that you might run into. That's right. Just kind of spreading out the risk in case you you miss something or, you know, any investment can go bad. You just want to spread out that risk so you don't take one large hit that can wipe you out. You know, I was making notes and your second point, I can't even read my own handwriting. Oh, uh, managing debt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this is a big one. And this gets down to the physician analogy that you were talking about earlier about somebody walks in. Hey, I'm a doctor. Guess what? We'll give you a ton of money. Are there some debts that are more important to manage than others? Or is it just having an overall philosophy around debt? It's a little bit of both. There can be good debt and bad debt. For example, let's say if you're going to borrow some money and getting some debt in order to go into a business for a physician, it might be, you know, maybe owning his own medical office building and renting out some of the empty spaces, or maybe it's buying into a surgery center or something like that. That could be good debt because you're trying to produce income, but bad debt might be, hey, you know, the new S-Class Mercedes is out. I got to have it. <laughs> let's, let's get a loan for that, even though the other two or three cars they have are working just fine. And then you don't realize how that those are liabilities that you're leveraging into. And you know, if you try to sell it, you might be upside down on the note and lose money. So it's tricky. You kind of have to know what kind of debt you're trying to manage. But a lot of people just go into debt, specifically physicians, because as soon as banks know that you're a doctor, you're going to get credit cards in the mail, credit card offers, loans. Hey, let me refinance you that. They're all after their money because usually they can pay it back over time. They make pretty good income. And of course, the bankers are making money off the points by lending it. So they're kind of pushed into getting loans, even if they didn't know that those loans were available. So that's kind of a special, unique situation for physicians. But at the same time, anybody in America could fall prey to that. Even as a college student, you know, I was already in debt and I'm still getting credit, still getting credit card offers. Hey, here's $15,000 credit card. It's only 16% interest, but you know, you might be able to go on that trip you want or, you know, put a down payment on a car. So you just kind of have to watch that and and at least understand that, you know, once you purchase something, you have to have a certain amount of cash flow to pay that that monthly amount off and then look at the final amount which you're going to pay. So you might, you know, let's say for the credit card example, you're buying something that costs 5000 If you pay it off over 10 years, that you might end up paying $9,000 once you include the interest. So you really have to look long-term to see if you really want to leverage and get into debt or not. So whether it's good debt, like getting into an investment or real estate, hey, 
I'm all for it. But if it's bad debt, you really need to plan ahead for making those payments. Well, when somebody out there is choosing which debt to pay off first, is it always about the highest interest rate or is it also sometimes about, you mentioned cash flow, sometimes about cash flow instead? Right. So you kind of have to look at it with a global perspective. Usually, if you just pay down the high interest credit cards or debt first, that could be good. But let's say let's say somebody's got $100,000 in debt at, you know, 7%. And then they have, you know, a small credit card that's, you know, maybe a thousand dollar balance on it at 18 percent. I mean, yeah, you can you can pay off that thousand dollar credit card. But, you know, don't forget about the larger liabilities, which might have different turns on them. They, they might call the note on a larger one. They're always going to ask for updated financials. So you have to be prepared in case if you're dealing with a larger loan amount, having the bank call that note. and All of a sudden it becomes due that year and you're not ready to pay it off. So that's how you kind of have to look at the terms of the uh, debt that you sign on, not just the amount and the interest rate. That's what I love. Once again, thinking about all the curveballs that could come up. I'm looking at our time together and I'm running out of time. So I want to skip to using retirement accounts effectively. How do you talk to people about attacking those? Well, it's the retirement accounts, there are so many different available options. I definitely suggest that somebody sits down with their accountant, financial planner, whoever they talked about their finances and figure out what strategically would be best for them. But once they have one set up, definitely max it out every year because most likely you're not going to have to pay taxes on the money you put in. So already, let's say if you're in a 20% tax bracket, I mean, what is going to give you 20% return on day one with no risk? So that's why I like maxing that out. But then there's ways to supercharge it too. Joe, since you're a financial planner, you you know what I'm about to talk about here. But a lot of times people get set up with financial advisors. And of course, advisors only get commission if people are investing in stocks and bonds and mutual funds. So people can also invest in real estate. You can own in businesses. You, you could invest in franchises within your retirement account by self-directing it. And that way you can actually take control of your retirement funds. There are plenty of companies out there that do this for you. And on my website, bluechbulletin.com, I have a couple of those resources with contact names. But you can actually put your retirement account into a checking account and get a checkbook and invest with a check into things outside of stocks. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because a lot of people don't know that they could buy real estate inside of those. And I know there's some very specific rules in that. Maybe we got to have you back to talk about that, just this in particular. But you could buy a racehorse with your IRA if you wanted to. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing. Yeah. All kinds of stuff, which I think it's important then talking about financial advisors to ask that question about fiduciary, right? Right. Yeah. The question I have for you specifically talking about real estate, that's your area of expertise. When did you start getting involved in real estate? Was that the first thing, you know, you talked about <laughs> being 20 years old and starting to really think about your money and looking at your dad. Did you say, Hey, real estate's the way to go? Or was there kind of a more twisted path? It was a little bit twisted. I was looking at everything, actually. I got Robert Allen's book, Multiple Streams of Income. Right. I had I had two financial advisors. I was just doing my own searches on the internet and talking to other people that are multimillionaires. I ran across a really important statistic. 80% of multimillionaires earn most of their wealth through real estate. That's 80%. So if I want to have the best shot at being a multimillionaire, I better understand real estate and get involved at an early age. So that's why I jumped into it at the age of 21. Well, have you found that real estate is best for a certain type of person? Like, is there somebody who loves to be a landlord and other people that want, you know, nothing to do with that? 
Right. You know, a lot of my physicians just like to be completely passive. They don't want to deal with the three T's, which are tenants, toilets, and trash. <laughs> so in that case, uh, with another one of my companies, Funding Nest, I actually pool investments from physicians. I bring in the management or I manage it myself, and they just get their K-1 distribution quarterly or annually, and they get, you know, 10 to 15% return on their money like that. Other ones, actually, they like to have, you know, maybe they have a little bit more of a controlling personality. They want to, or maybe they're trying to save the five or 7% on the management costs. They try to do it themselves and more power to them. If you can do that, that's fine. But anybody can get involved in real estate, whatever they don't like, there's a way to adjust the investment strategy to avoid whatever they don't like. They could get a management team. They can go into a different asset class. They could go into assets a little bit more liquid, or if they don't ever want to, you know, if they're trying to build up their net worth, put into a deal that takes seven years to develop. They have so many options. It's really, I feel like it's unlimited in real estate to get what you want. Well, and it's funny, just investing in in general. I mean, and you go over, you go over, you talk a lot about stocks, about real estate, about having a budget, about magic of compounding interest. I mean, it's way wider than I think people know that it is. And there's so many things to do. The book is called Make It, Keep It, The New Rules of Wealth Preservation for Doctors. By the way, when I read this, Amir, I thought it was for doctors, but it's really not for doctors. I thought, well, that's why I wanted to have you on because if doctors don't get this stuff, there's a lot of it that our audience isn't getting either. Where's the book available? Uh, You can get it on amazon.com. We have the Kindle and the uh, hardback cover on there. Awesome. And I'll have a link to the book and to all the resources you talked about. Love that Robert Allen book too, by the way. That's a good one. Uh, yep. Just to, just to make, open my eyes. I'll have all that on our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Thanks a ton for hanging right. out with us for a few minutes, man. Hey, thanks. Appreciate you guys for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I got your trivia right here. But first, this not eating avocado toast thing's working out great. I avoided it for breakfast, haven't had any for lunch, and Joe's mom's already told me that we're having pot roast for dinner. Eh, you know, she didn't exactly say we. She said that's what you know, she's having for dinner, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to sneak over and get in on that meal tonight, don't you think? Anyway, that means no avocado toast for me all day. I'm not going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a bajillionaire. Speaking of bajillionaires, let's do the math because today's question was, if I stop indulging in a weekly serving of $6 avocado toast, how much money could I earn investing the yearly savings at 8% over 30 years? I'll have the answer, which I'm sure is a bajillion dollars, right after I ask Joe's mom how the f*** we do this math. There's a lot of misinformation on student loans out there, but one company, SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I, is attempting to cut through it all by providing better financial education. Co-founder Dan Macklin explains. If I was to sum up the education in a couple of ways, in two ways, it would be one, borrow as little as you can while you're at school. It sounds obvious, but some people, I think, just don't think about it because all their friends are spending money. Um, But really think long and hard about what you're spending. But then the second piece of advice is once you've graduated and you have a job, Think about whether it makes sense to refinance your debt, because for many people, they're overpaying on that debt and they could get a much better rate if they refinanced. Seems like great advice, doesn't it? Spend less, score lower interest rates. According to other sponsor, Magnify Money, SoFi is a leader in every area that they compete in. So whether it's a student loan, a mortgage or even a personal loan, SoFi 
has you taken care of. Why pay more than you have to when you could be contributing more to your retirement instead? SoFi doesn't ask you to be a millionaire to use their services, but you do have to be responsible with your money and you know who you are. Start working your money better today. Visit SoFi at stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. All right, raise your hand. Do you drive an extra five minutes in traffic to save just a few pennies at the gas pump? Well, when's the last time you spent five minutes trying to save on the big things like auto loans? Lucky for you, we brought in Nick Clements from Magnify Money with a few tips on saving money if you find yourself financing a car. If you're buying a new car, there's really no better deal than the 0% financing that would be offered by the manufacturer. The issue really starts to happen if you don't qualify for the manufacturer's financing or you're buying a used car. And in those cases, I, I think it's a very good idea to always shop online and get a low rate before you walk onto the lot. Uh, chances are high that the dealer will beat it, but if you don't walk onto the lot with a low rate to begin with, you know you won't get the best deal. Thanks, Nick. More than just auto loans, Magnify Money's the perfect spot for reviewing just how well or not your checking and savings accounts are performing. You might just decide to switch banks, and guess what? Why stick with just one bank at all when you can use magnifymoney.com to always find best-in-class stuff? Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Average person saves $450 in interest when they go there. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Before the break, I asked you this question. If I stopped indulging in a weekly serving of $6 avocado toast, how much money could I earn investing the yearly savings at 8% over 30 years? The answer, $35,344.36. You know, roughly. Wow, that is way more than a bajillion dollars. That millionaire guy's really onto something. But I got a... I got a little bit of a confession to make here. I, I've never once had avocado toast. I wonder if they serve that down at the Sizzler. I have not seen on that menu. Must be like on the back or something. I'm going to have to change my regular order from my usual chips and guac to avocado toast because the way I see it, I'm going to have to start eating avocado toast so I can stop eating it. And then I'm going to be making all that money. See ya. Wow, you were close. Of course, that that calculator in your hand. I love it when you pretend like you're thinking and your eyes are below the table and your fingers are moving and you think I can't see it. <laughs> I can't believe you just sit there and watch. <laughs> the conversations we have. Weirdo. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, uh, get off that topic. Let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they are disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most. What do you value most, OG? Money. Um, money money, and money. No, family, time. Family and time. Your family and your time. That's why they created a high-quality, affordable term life insurance policy you can purchase entirely online. Qualified, healthy applicants even get to skip the medical exam. How often does that happen? That never happens. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now 
to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. Funny story, another life insurance company talked about there's no such thing as qualified healthy applicants skipping the med exam. Like you can't really do it entirely online. Well, guess what? Other company. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And uh, they're the way to do it. By the way, I also like, of course, their tool that they have on the site to figure out how much insurance you need because they give you a range. And I really like, I think it is a range. I don't think it's a set number. I think too many things blow in the wind when you've got just a set number. But man, we got a number for you today. We've got Aaron calling us up, our new friend, Aaron. Say hello, Aaron. Hi, Joe and OG. This is Aaron. I follow up listener question. I called a while back about the process of buying a car and I recently purchased a new to me vehicle, but I'm wondering what else I should be doing now with my money. Obviously, I spent a small chunk of change on buying the car outright and I'm looking to see what else I should do now that I don't have that expense that I've been saving for. So I have a IRA. I contribute 5500 a year. I'm not offered a 401k through my employer or HSA. I have brokerage accounts through online robo-advisors that I dollar cost average every month. And I also recently opened a Robinhood account and have about $1,000 invested in there to sort of fund money and see where they go. I find that I have liked learning about where I should invest and then doing it, but I'm just wondering where where else there is to go from here. I know there's the possibility of uh, trying to own a rental property, and there's a lot of learning that can come from doing that. I'm just wondering if you had any other ideas. Thanks. Oh, nice job, Erin. Congratulations on the new-to-you car. OG, what's next for her? Is it a rental property? Well, I don't know anything about rental properties or being a landlord. Well, um, you, now, okay. When you say that, you know more than the average bear about owning rental properties and about being a landlord. Perhaps, but nevertheless, it's not anything that is an expertise of mine. How's that? So I tend to stick to things that I have a, at least a working knowledge in. <laughs> well, but if bit. she's but if she's looking at maybe getting that knowledge, is that a good place for her to go? I would just add more money to the brokerage account. You know, so if you're dollar cost averaging $100 a month, I would try to work on making it $200 a month and then $500 a month and 1000 a month and so on and so forth. Because that's a good holding place anyway until something else comes up, right? If if you decide down the line, now I'd like to buy a duplex or, or whatever the case may be, uh, you've got a place to draw that money from. If you're sure that you're going to go rental property route, then you need to start saving for the down payment, which can be kind of that 30 to 40% range. So you need to have a fairly decent idea of what size or type of home that you're looking for to get involved with. You know, so if you're trying to, if you're trying to accumulate a $200,000 duplex, you know, you might have to have 60, 70, $80,000 down to get a reasonable uh, mortgage rate on that. Yeah. That's my thing is that I love real estate. I think real estate is a, is a great way to beat inflation over time. The issue that I have with that is just the the money sink if she's going to do it herself. So she talks about buying the rental property. Yeah, I might start off with a REIT because it's so much easier to start with. Man, you lock money up with real estate unless you, you know, do these uh, leverage tricks where you're using other people's money to buy real estate and then you have a whole different set of problems. So if she's interested in real estate, I might study that and get moving on it. But there is a ton to know. It is cash intense unless you're in one of these programs, these turnkey programs, 
or using a REIT. So I, I'm with you. And uh, you probably, if you're using a robo-advisor, already have real estate exposure yeah. in your portfolio. So yeah. that's that's what I'm saying. I've, I've kind of got this personal thing. I have a client that saves a boatload of money every week into his brokerage account. And his, his challenge is to keep on increasing that every Monday. And I found that to be a very interesting way to do it. So we're experimenting with that in our household where we're starting with, you know, a lower amount. And every couple of months, I try to add 50 or $100 to that weekly amount, which I guess when you break it down into the weekly amount, you go, oh, it's not a big deal. 20 bucks a week. I can I can add another $20 a week to my investment account. I won't notice that. But that's $80 a month. You know, if you do that a couple times a year, all of a sudden you just added, now you're up three, $400 a month above where you were. Much better than skipping avocado toast once a week. Do not do that. I like avocados. I didn't like them until I moved, but mm, love me some green squishy stuff. If you know what I mean. <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't even have any idea what I mean. Good. So stuff. yeah, just keep on adding money into your broker's account. Good stuff there from Aaron. Thanks for the question, Aaron. Glad to uh, talk to you again. Congratulations again on the car. You've got an issue and you want us to throw out the Haven Lifeline to you? Well, we'll throw it out if you do this. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash voicemail or just go to the stackingbenjamins.com homepage. You'll see right across the top a question for the show. Click that link and you'll see the Haven Lifeline. Very easy to do. We also get letters to the show. Doug just brought down the mail. Uh, we got a letter from William. It says, hey, Joe, thanks for the opportunity to ask a question. I'm 38 with a salary of $50,000. i am married. My wife is 30 years old, makes $29,000. I have basic life insurance through work, one-year work salary, and no more insurance. We believe babies are coming. And we've been, does that mean he knows the stork's on the way? Or is they that get a postcard in the mail? <laughs> yes, yes. It's like when UPS tries to deliver something to your house right. and they put a little sticky on your door. Right. We'll come back in three days. The store comes back in three days if you're not home. I've seen the movie Dumbo. I get how it works. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we've been saving for a down payment for a house. I contribute 15% of my salary to my 403B plan, but she does not have any retirement savings, which is another conversation. I have no debts. She has some small student loans and she plans to continue school. I'm a member of a credit union and I receive a term life insurance offer from them. No medical exam required. Benefits will never decrease, they explain, and some rates that appear to me good deals. Men, $25,000 for $13,25, $50,000 for $22,50, $75,000 for $35,50. The one I'd like to consider, $100,000 for $46,50 a month rate increases every five years. By five dollars, forty, forty-five, fifteen, fifty-five. My question is: Is that actually a good deal, or could I be looking for some other better options? The fact that we don't have enough insurance concerns me, but I can't get her to share the same concern. What do you think about this offer for our situation? Should I wait until I buy the house, have the baby or babies, and plan accordingly, or is this term life uh, something that we should have right now? Love the show. OG is sharply smart. You are hilarious. Great. He doesn't call me smart. Thanks, William. Doug, well, Doug's the neighbor. Let me know what you think, William. Thanks for the question, William. Term life insurance. Is that a good deal? It seems like, well, yeah, you need term life insurance for sure. That seems like grossly expensive, does it not? I mean, I don't know anything about William's situation other than he's 38. Maybe he's in not really great health or maybe he's in fantastic health. This is a perfect example for why you go to Haven. So you go to Haven 
you put in all these facts. It says, here's how much insurance you need, which, by the way, 100000 is not anywhere near the ballpark of what you need. Well, just if you as make an aside, 50 grand a year. Well, just as an aside, though, if he's working and his spouse is working and they have very little debt, I don't know how much he really needs now. But with the babies on the way and the house coming, like he's the bullseye for life insurance. Well, I mean, even if even if you said he's saving 15% into his 401k, so that's 7,500 bucks, right? So now he's down to 40,000, pay some taxes on that, netting out 30, wife brings home 30 minus some taxes, call it 25. So they live on 55,000. She brings in 25,000 of that after taxes. And I'm just ballparking here. So yeah, they got to come up with 25 grand a year. That's six, $700,000 of insurance right there. And then to your point, you had some kids, college funds, mortgage debt. That's easily a million. And that's kind of the starting place. But here's my point. When you get offers from associations like the credit union and they say, hey, we can get you this guaranteed, non-cancelable, no underwriting required, the target of that isn't the healthy person. The target of that is the person who's very unhealthy, who can't qualify right. for insurance. This is not the Haven deal where qualified healthy applicants skip the medical Yeah, exam. Haven is still underwriting you yes, because they ask you all the questions, right? The credit union is saying this is guaranteed issue. You get it no matter what. If you can sign your name here and pay the 50 bucks, we're going to send it to you. To put it in perspective, I bet that he can probably get a million dollars of 20-year term for around $40 a month, assuming that William is in tolerably decent health and, you know, yeah. doesn't smoke. Well, check out places like Haven for free And Haven's, Haven's going to be a great resource I mean, for that. Just, so just, I would, I was going to say my recommendation is 100% go to Haven go through their calculation process to kind of get that range like you were talking about just a minute ago and go through the process with them. Do the same thing for Mrs. William because she needs insurance too. She doesn't want it. Do the right thing for the family. You got to have some, right? Especially if you're having kids, especially if you've got a mortgage coming down range. All said and done, you probably get out of there for under $100 a month between the two of you. This is, I mean, this is a horrible thought, but you think about health concerns and if, if she's going to have a child, I mean, get the life insurance in place before she's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Just as as can. some ugly situations that could arise then. Thanks a ton for that uh, question, William. Always tough to talk life insurance and mortality, but super important and uh, absolutely love that he asked the questions. If you love your family... <laughs> If you really love your family, you buy life insurance. If you really loved them, you buy ten million of life insurance. If you just love them fine, you buy one million. We could be slimy life insurance uh, salespeople. I well, might, one of us could be. I might, I might, I might have a story about that uh, later. But let's move on. You got a letter. Better thing to do is to go to the Haven Lifeline, stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. That'll get you on the show much, much more quickly. But if you insist on sending me a letter, it's joe at stackingbenjamins.com or go to Stacking Benjamins and uh, you'll see questions for the show and click there. And just below the Haven Lifeline, you can uh, put your letter in the mailbox and Doug will run grab it for us. Also, if you've got bigger questions and you think that, you know what, I should have a pro in my corner. OG's taking clients. You know what that means? You can get on his calendar to talk about what that would take. Here's the URL for that. Stackingbenjamins.com forward slash letter O letter G, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash O-G. That's how that gets done. Big thanks to Dr. Amir Baluch. Man, it's so funny, the stuff he talks about and the reasons people 
mess up with their money. Not just doctors. Not just doctors. No, yep. it's so so. Everybody does that. Amazing. I uh, I sometimes see people put physicians on this pedestal, and uh, they are people like the rest of us when it comes to their money and make uh, some horrible choices with money. Sometimes, no matter what your profession is, good stuff there. We'll link to his book. Uh, make it keep it in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Coming up on Friday, so happy. Pete the Planner from USA Today joining our roundtable hilarity. Uh, that should be a fantastic time. Can't wait to talk to him. And then in the middle, our Friday FinTech segment, Ryan Kuhn from this company, Rentolutions. So if you do own real estate and uh, own some rental properties, he's got this cool technology that, you know, instead of the half-ass spreadsheets that people use, puts it all together so that if you're trying to manage your career and own real estate on the side, Renolutions is a company I found really neat. And uh, he's going to stop by and tell us about it on Friday. All right. Have a fantastic second half of your week. Go stack some Benjamins. So what do we learn today, folks? First, whether you're a doctor or not, take some advice from Dr. Amir Baluch. By taking care of the money management basics, the rest of your financial house will fall into order. Second, working lots of hours when you should be on vacation. Remember this, time away from your job helps you stay fresh and crisp when you're putting in the big hours. But the big lesson, don't try to order avocado toast at the Sizzler or Big Al, the manager is going to think you're getting too fancy. Don't want Big Al thinking I'm getting snooty. Maybe being a bajillionaire isn't quite as important as what the locals think of you after all. A big thank you to Dr. Amir Baluch. You'll find a link to his book, Make It, Keep It, on today's show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's no way you would take advice from these dorks. But like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. Thanks to the auto mechanic who busted up that portion today's headlines. If more people did idiotic stuff with high-end items, our headlines would just write themselves. So a couple of weeks ago, we did 
all the jokes, right? Yes. And I have a late entrant into the contest. Well, May I? I have one too, but I'm not ready. Well, that's okay. But this is it, 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 it doesn't count. It yeah, doesn't I was count. Say. Too late. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, yeah. if you didn't listen, we gave you a long head start. Yeah. So this one's from Josh. He writes, I'm a few episodes behind, so it may be too late, but here's a joke. <clears throat> I was at the doctor the other day. He goes to write a prescription for me. He reaches into his jacket pocket to pull out a pen. He pulls out a thermometer and says, huh, some asshole has my pen. I've heard that so bad. Yeah. <laughs> that is so bad. I yeah. thought it was kind of yeah, somebody apropos. Somebody wrote one to me about a about a, um, and I don't have it in front of me. And I apologize, whoever sent. I this. can tell it's going to be really good so far. No, so this so this woman has her baby and she's waiting for the bus. The bus pulls up. She goes to get on the bus. Bus driver looks at her, looks at the baby, and says, "That is the ugliest baby I have ever seen." And the woman's like, "How dare you? That's horrible!" And kind of throws her money at the guy and goes to sit down. sits down next to this elderly guy in the back, and he can clearly tell that she's all worked up. He's like, "What's wrong, miss?" It's like, that bus driver is horrible. He just said the meanest thing. I should, oh, I'm just so angry. The old guy says, I'll tell you what, you go give him a piece of your mind and I'll hold your monkey. I laughed at that the first time you told me. It was pretty good. All right. Uh, So I remember that. And apologies to whoever said that to me. Uh, I thought that was, I've told that joke uh, several times. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend when I was working with uh, Ameriprise whose dad was an insurance agent, and he would tell us the the slimy crap his dad would do. <laughs> it was just it was just horrible. So they go over. He would be at you know he was one of these guys that would show up in the Plymouth Duster, right? This this whatever car, and he'd come out, and he's got his uh, he's got his jacket and tie, and you know the everything just exactly what you think of. And he'd sit and tell people about the miracle of whole life insurance or whatever he's he's talking about right at the kitchen table. And he said, you know, sometimes people were afraid to tell him no. They were just like, oh, well, you know, we kind of want to sleep on it. So, oh, getting really tired. Oh, man. And, and he would see the signs that it just isn't going. And, and his first thing was always, he's like, oh, we totally understand. You guys take some time. You know what? It's a long ride. But can I just have one more cup of coffee? Is it all right if I have? And so, that, oh, sure. Just trying to be hospitable. Of course, it, then he keeps talking to them. Closing and closing and closing And it just, it's horrible. And when people wouldn't buy on his way out the door, he would see everybody has the obligatory picture. Well, heck, I've been at your house. You've got the obligatory picture of, you know, of the OG family, right? Mm -hmm. And and he's like, goes to the door. And like the last thing at the door, he's like, oh, it's a beautiful picture of the, when did you have that done? Oh yeah, thanks. We had it done at this, uh, you know, Sears (laughs) had the family. And, you know, the one kid's always looking the opposite direction. Or like our family po- photo where Nick wouldn't stick his tongue in his mouth. So finally we said, screw it. And so we have this family picture of my kids when they're like uh, a year and a half old where Nick is just doing one of these. Got his <laughs> tongue sticking out the whole time. during the. He just wouldn't put it back in. Every single time. We're like, okay, screw it. We're taking the family picture with Nick's tongue out. So uh, it's like, oh, beautiful picture. Where'd you get that done? Oh, that's great. Fantastic. Well, yeah, well, too bad if something happens to you, you know. Won't have the family protected. Ah, beautiful family though. Thanks a lot. Like he would just kick the just totally grind them all the way down to the ground. Just kick the crap out of. Him. And what was bad was that his son, and I say he's a friend of mine. He was more of a acquaintance. He was one of the quote trainers where I was working. So in my first year as an advisor, you didn't get to talk much. The first half of that first year, another person would come in 
and I was I could always tell this guy's name was Tony. You could see he had, it was like he had this missile on his head. And when the client would start not making sense, you could see the missile on Tony's head just go bip, 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 and point right at my client. And, and I would literally like move back away from the table. A bit. Like I realized it after a few meetings. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because Tony would get to the point where it didn't matter if, if we kept the client or not. It didn't matter. He was just going to tell them what idiots they were. He was going to kick the, oh, it was horrible. I, I couldn't, whenever Tony went into meetings with us, and you could tell he got that right from his dad. I was like, oh, no, please don't. Oh, please don't, Tony. Tony's like, so, mm-hmm. so how'd you get that credit card debt? Well, you know, we had these medical bills and whatever. Oh, yeah, but you gave me the, uh, you gave me the statement here. So uh, you had hamburgers down at uh, Red Robin, and it uh, looks like uh, 30 bucks. $30 hamburger when you had medical bills and you put it on your credit card. Tell me about that. What type of hamburger was that? And he would just, oh my, he would just beat them and beat them and beat them. And oh my God, oh, it was horrible. So don't do that, basically. Don't do that. Well, don't stand for that, more like. No, don't go, don't go to that financial planner. Oh. Well, no, I mean, seriously, like when you and I first started this, gosh, even before we started the podcast, right? We had the website. One of the things initially that we talked about was we didn't want to be the over the top, bash you on the head, boy, you're pretty stupid for doing that. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times people, and I talk to, well, people know, I, talk are, to new, I talk to new people all the time and they, they're kind of, I can tell the ones that have gotten beat up before because they're a little gun shy. Hey, how much you got in your cash reserve? Uh, 12,000. And you can tell they're kind of like, don't hit me. Well, like, but not only that. Facts of the case. Not only know. that, my thought process also was people come to you for a reason. They yeah, want they help. They want your help. They know they've done bad stuff. And yeah. you know, and the reason they say, well, we have medical bills, they know they put the beers at Red Robin on the yeah. do you really need to drag yeah. them out on the carpet and beat them when when you're supposed to be in their corner? I was like, I don't understand what this is proving. So yeah. not not good. Uh yeah, yeah. Tony so Don't be like don't be like Tony. Don't don't be like Tony. Be like Joe. Don't don't go to people like Tony. But I thought that was, I did think that was funny. Just, just the whole, oh, oh. Well, we had a guy when I was a younger advisor, we had hired a guy who was a door-to-door disability insurance sales guy. Oh. Nicest man you've ever met in your life. He's now retired. He was an older gentleman. And he told us a story one time of how he was in um, upstate knocking on doors, right? Selling DI insurance for this company. And he was a closer. He was a salesman. And he knocks on the door and he says, hi, my name is Tom and I'm here representing da, da, da. She goes, no, thank you. Boom. And slams the door in his face. Right. And so he walks around the back and knocked on the back door and she says, can I help you? And he says, oh yeah, my name's Tom. And I sure hope you're a lot nicer than the lady at the front. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond 
Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.